Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA. Good evening and welcome to Bry Radio Sports Talk. I think I'm pressing the wrong button to kick us off, but there we go. Uh, I'm Dr. Pullen. The sun is shining and your summer of sports starts right here. Uh, To kick off the summer term, we have a jam-packed show. We open up with cricket, featuring the under-15As as team of the week, before interviews with new head of cricket development Richard Scott and the self-proclaimed most successful coaching partnership at Bryanston of Calver and Carter. We'll then be moving into talking some rowing, featuring an interview with women's captain Natalia Johnson, Natalia J, before completed, concluding our Bry sports section with tennis, featuring head of, te- head, of, head of tennis Mr Boot and men's captain Tom P. But that's not all, folks. In the second half of our show, we should be talking football and addressing the denouement of the Premier League and Champions League. As ever, we would love to hear all your views on what we have to say, so don't hesitate to contact us by texting us on double six triple seven. But that's enough from me. Let me introduce you to my superb opening team of pundits. Um, before we do, I just want to say first of all that I am producerless uh, today, so uh, excuse any uh, technical flaws. I've never actually done this on my own. It should be mentioned that normally I have my sort of uh, uh, um, to give a sporting analogy, the Mane to my Salah, the, the man who does all the unseen uh, uh, nitty-gritty really well, uh, Mr. Sharon, but unfortunately he is absent today. But let me introduce to you uh, who I have got in this studio, and I'm joined uh, by uh, the wonderful team of uh, Mr. Morris on my right, and uh, Mr. Um, uh, Hugh on my uh, uh, further on. So, chaps, Talk to me first of all. Uh, are you looking forward to getting back on the Bry Radio airwaves, Mr. Ab- Morris? You ab- start with me. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a been a while over the Easter break, but it's nice to be back on the airwaves this evening. Fantastic. And uh, Hugh, are you excited to be back? Yeah, excited to kick off this term back on Sports Talk. Fantastic. That's what we want to hear. Um, so uh, we all have a kind of shared interest uh, in one particular sport, uh, which we're going to be talking quite a bit of today. And in fact. Uh, I have uh, somewhat uh, biasedly uh, 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 made us our own team, uh, our team of the week, basically. So uh, we are um, basically all heavily involved in the um, under 14 uh, A, under 15 A uh, cricket team. Uh, Hugh is uh, one of the sort of leadership team, uh, and uh, Mr. Morris is is a co-coach of mine. So, chaps, uh, I should be playing something here, but I'm not going to be able to do it. So we'll wing that. Uh, what do we? What, what do we make of of the season so far? Hugh, take us away. Well, um, it was always brilliant to start off the season with a win, and that's exactly what we did against Warminster. Jacko hit a brilliant fifty. Get getting um, one of our main run scores from last season into forms can be really vital if you're going to go on to the same heights. Yeah, I mean, what a, what a, what a start it was. Jack O, uh, well, let, 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 let's... Uh, Let's say as it is, basically we were playing Warminster and uh, Warminster made a fairly paltry score batting first, about 110 odd, and, and, and Jack O came out and belted them all over the place for a very convincing 50. Mr Morris, what did you make of Jack's performance? I thought it was a very promising performance. Um, someone who hasn't 
done the most over the winter. Um, he put on a really good show and looks in looks in fine touch, and it's a really promising sign for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, he is he's a superbly talented player. Uh, uh, um, and you know, from our early, from our early, uh, from the early net session, I think it was fairly apparent that he was going to be a key, a key player in our lineup. Um, what about the other players? We got Hugh here. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't want to talk about himself, but we 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 can say a few words on him. Uh, he's he's wicket kept very well. I think you'd agree. Absolutely, I was really impressed with, especially his work up to the stumps on Saturday. Um, it was really impressive, and um, look forward to seeing it continue throughout the season. Absolutely. Um, and Hugh, uh, talk to me about some of the other players we got in the squad. Um, uh, well, where do you want to begin? Uh, um, Josh, Josh H, who captained the side on Saturday, he made a brilliant opening 20 straight in the power play, smashing the ball everywhere. And he's, his leggies picked up, have picked up loads of wickets last season and start coming into this season as well. And then up top, opening the bowling, were uh, Chris and Kingsley who um, didn't, didn't concede a single run, really, through, throughout the opening spells. Everything outside off, playing and leaving with the batsmen. So. Yeah, I mean, it was a fantastic performance with the ball. So, as I said, we restricted them to 100 and... Well, it was 113, was it? It was 109. 109, 109. And all the bowlers chipped in, really. Uh, one thing that we... Well, Mr Morris and I highlighted as an area for potential improvement... Uh, was the fielding? Um, I think you'll agree with that, Mr. Morris. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. Uh, and 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 we well, it seems a bit weird talking about ourselves as the coaches, but Sailor V. So we went around. We went about uh, correcting it quite early on, didn't we? We we got them. Well, first of all, it was a key thing was really field placements. Which Hugh, I don't know, is that something you've done much of work on in your time as a cricketer? Uh, well, not really in prep school. It's more you're guided by the coaches there's not too much of the stay from the players and then last year it we weren't particularly ambitious with our fields yeah. i'd say but yeah. we still got loads of success from it yeah i think the the more you go up the school the more um you sort of uh, uh work on that and by the time you get to first 11 it's expected to be a sort of um well yeah second nature almost how to set a field uh, uh, and that sort of thing, essentially. So yeah, definitely a skill that's worth learning. So so the season so far, we beat Warminster tomorrow. Big game tomorrow, Hugh. What what are your thoughts going into that game against Claysmore, big I'm local rivals? I'm really excited for the team to try and back up our pretty good performance against um, Warminster against Claysmore. So I think we can definitely show the coaches our improvement from our fielding. And then keep keep the runs flowing with the bat and same nagging lines and legs of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the key is to to well basically execute the same game plan uh, that we uh, uh, went for against Warminster, um, uh, but with a little bit more polish in terms of our field field placement and fielding. Um, Mr. Morris and I had some tough selection decisions to make with our army of medium pacers. Uh, um, but you know we've we've made that we've made it we've made a call there which hopefully uh, you know will 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 um, strengthen the fielding department. But in the long run, those who have missed out definitely have a great chance of getting back in. And you know there's a big game for the under 15 Bs equally. So um, hopefully it's a chance to impress um, there as well. Let's um, well uh, earlier today. So we'll move into talking about Bryanston cricket. Uh, more broadly, and if I can get the, the the this clip to work, I earlier talked 
with uh, the new um, head of uh, cricket development, um, Mr. Richard Scott, who's done some work with us um, and is also currently working with the first team. So um, let's see if we can get this clip to work of my interview with him. So after games this afternoon, I joined uh, Mr. Scott, the new head of cricket development. And uh, I think Hawker, I've got it working. Uh, so listen Firstly, to uh, Mr. Scott, my, my words of Mr. Scott. Joining us and answering a few questions for Bry Radio, uh, this, for the sports talk team. Uh, we're going to be talking some cricket uh, together now. And I just wanted to give our listeners an idea of what this guy's background in cricket was. So Mr. Scott, tell me a little bit about your history in the game and what you've done. Yeah, sure. I, so I was born, born and bred in Dorset, went to QE school and soon discovered at a young age that, you know, cricket was the passion that I loved and that's what I wanted to do. Uh, soon uh, got into the Dorset sort of age group size then gravitated to the Dorset County team. Um, and then just very briefly went on to play for Hampshire from 1984 till 1990 and then Gloucestershire from 91 to 93 at which time my career ended. Then I took all my coaching badges and, and discovered that, yeah, hey, I really wanted to go into a coaching career. Uh, managed to coach Dorset, um, and then was lucky enough to get the, the Middlesex second team job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after a year and a half, I, um, I was promoted to first team coach and coached them for another eight years. And that culminated with, with us winning the, the, the county championship in 2016. So cricket's been part of my life, but I'm a local lad, which I'm very proud of. So for those listeners of you who are, a bit, who are cricket badgers like myself, from memory, is that the one where Toby Roland-Jones got a wicket right at the end? or Yeah, yeah that one. OK, so Mr Scott, quite, quite a resume there. What, what, who have been the best players you've worked with over your many years in the game? Yeah, so when I was playing, it was the Smith brothers at Hampshire. Robin Smith, who was a fierce, square catcher of the ball, really good player of fast bowling. Uh, Malcolm Marshall fronted the attack there. So I was very privileged to play with some of the greats of that time. But more recently, the the players that are still playing, that played for Middlesex, was Owen Morgan um, and David Malan and and Toby Rowland-Jones. And they were were the best players I coached at Middlesex. and, And they've carved themselves a really successful career within the game. Fantastic, some big names there. Um, and so you joined us at Bryanston a, 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 year, a year ago, a bit more than a year ago. What have you made of your fir- first year here? Absolutely loved it. Love the surrounds, love all the, the cricket facilities, and I love the passion that the teachers have yeah. for the sport and also the players. So uh, last summer I had a full uh, summer here coaching the first 11 um, and then was lucky enough to... He bought on more of a on, on a sort of full time basis, if you like, in the winter to run a winter program, which started in October. Yeah, and we'll we'll, we'll have a little chat about that. Yeah, he, he makes a good point there, Mr. Scott. We've got a really good team of coaches here, headed up by uh, Mr. Morris. There's also Mr. Morris Junior, uh, Mr. Carter, Mr. Calver. <laughs> yeah, myself doing a little bit of under-15 coaching. It's a nice, nice group of coaches um, to work with. Um, yeah, and we'll, we'll, that winter programme you mentioned, so that's a good addition. Um, how has that added to the players here? What were they working on over the winter? Yeah, so our, we, we really stripped it back to basics pre-Christmas. So from October leading up to Christmas, I had a group of between half a dozen and ten that constantly turn up three times a week. Yeah. So there would have been a lot of tennis ball work and real basic yeah. stuff, um, alignment work with bowlers. 
So ever present were Noah, yeah. um, Leo, um, Edie, uh, Sophie, um, Josh, Hugh. So they know all know who they are, but they were ever present, Krish, and they they were they really bought into the idea of working hard at basics before Christmas. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned those names because those are the sort of people who have really got going this season as well in the early stages. I mean, you've largely been with the first, but I imagine you kept an eye on everything else. What have you made of the first week and a half for the first eleven in particular? Oh, they've been they've been we've been very lucky. A with the weather. Yeah. B the the pitch down on Hawker is magnificent. That's like first class standard. Yeah. Um, and we we've been lucky enough to have two preseason friendlies against other schools in a, a round robin T Twenty, which went very well. Mm. Um, and then the MCC were here last Saturday. Mm. Um, so there's been already some standout performances from Noah and, and Leo, and we're starting to galvanise a team, I believe, who are going to enjoy their cricket first and foremost, but hopefully compete as the summer goes on. Yeah, I mean, Leo's probably a name that might come up in the on the radio a little bit more this term, but it's worth mentioning that this chap is a, is a year nine who's playing in the first 11. He against the MTC on Saturday uh, where he bowls left arm wrist spin and got bowled 10 very accurate overs, I, I believe, and, yeah. then, and then made a 50 opening up. So a fantastic start. Yeah, real success story. And I believe from Mike the scorer that he might well be the first year nine boy to score a 50 for the first 11. Yes. Um, so we had to double check that through the history books, but nevertheless, great effort. Leo works hard at his game he's a man of few words or a boy of few words <laughs> we don't mind that he's a mighty fine cricketer no absolutely absolutely and I'm sure we'll develop even more as the years go by very exciting certainly uh, what about girls cricket what have you made of the girls cricket uh, set up here so far Mrs. yeah Scott? really I'm really excited about the girls program because there's so many playing the sport you know as we as we just watched out of the Hawker Pavilion you know there was 20 or 30 on the Hawker ground and then I was over at Geddes earlier with Mr Morris yeah. you know with the uh, the girls over there and it looks like they enjoy it which is great any cricket player that that wants to to improve and enjoy the sport um you know I, I love that and um, to see a girls team that have potential and yeah. love their cricket is, is really gratifying to see yeah. and I can only see it going from strength to strength Absolutely, and it must be so good for the more inexperienced players to watch someone like Edie, who's actually got proper club cricket experience, um, and to learn from her, as well as the, the plethora of great coaches we have here. So, in terms of your where you see Bryanston Cricket going, where can the cricket club at Bryanston go in the next few years? Well, I'm super excited because part of my role within Dorset is heading up the pathway. Yeah. We've got um, a lot of good players in that pathway and we're sandwiched between Somerset and Hampshire and in essence become a feeder county for those major counties around us. Um, I'd like to think the facilities we've got here and the coaching team we've got here that it, it, the school is, is a massive attraction for the elite players but it's not all about that it's all about what we saw here Saturday with the first 11 on Hawker, uh, the under 15s on Phoenix and the girls on Geddes. If you walk around the three grounds and see parents you know, watching their sons or daughters play, that, that, that brings great joy to my heart. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr Scott. I have to say, I'm sat here now on a beautiful, if slightly cold, early summer's e evening, but, you know, you've got boys bowling in the net. As Mr Scott just said, we had 20 girls down here not five minutes ago, and, you know, three lovely pitches. So, 
there's so much potential for this school at cricket, at cricket and I think we all recognise this and it's great that we have coaches like you on board. Thank you very much for joining me, Mr Scott. No problem, really appreciate it. Yeah, and we at the Bry Radio Studio uh, thank uh, Mr Scott very much for that. Hopefully now we could see an end to my uh, technical issues which are entirely self-induced because as i said i am normally uh with the support of my of my trusted aide uh mr sharon um and i'm currently sort of winging my way through the producing as well but we'll get there we'll learn um so chaps yes a very interesting interview from mr scott there um the first 11 as we said had a had a quite a tough game against the mcc uh, on saturday but as he said some real positives emerged uh, not least the all-round uh, playing of of Leo, uh, who's uh, not only a very good batsman, uh, but also a left-arm spinner, um, uh, uh, but also the emergence of some other players as well. You know, uh, Tom Jay, who's a truly great all-round Bryanston sportsman, um, also made 50 uh, on the weekend. And Noah B continued his um, uh, impressive early season form. Uh, Mr. Morris, what are your thoughts for the potential of this team going forward? Well, it's a very, well, it's a very, um, it's a very young first team, and they've definitely got a lot of potential. Um, and results like this, even though there wasn't a win, there's so many positives to take out of it. Scoring, I think, nearly 220 against the MCC, um, over 500 runs scored in the game. It's only going to be a positive for them going forwards. And um, yeah, any that much that amount of time in the middle for those boys is always going to be a positive. And I think there's there is success on the horizon for the Bryanston first eleven cricket. Absolutely. And I think, you know, there's a real pathway up the school at the moment to uh, achieving great success. Hugh, uh, a word from you on that? How, how have you found in general the Bryanston cricketing experience? Uh, it's the first time in quite a long time that I've been able to have an all year round playing cricket. It's been from last May, th- this time last year, all the way through to now coming into this season. And M- Mr Scott has, as you've been saying, has been an excellent coach all winter he he picks up on stuff so quickly and he pr- provides you with loads of solutions to fix it yeah i mean it's an it's a real bonus to have two absolute top level coaches uh in mr morris and mr scott both taking the first 11 and then also people with fantastic playing experience like mr morris on my right here uh, uh mr carmichael as well who's an unbelievably um uh, uh, uh polished cricketer right so that's the top of the school uh Let's have a little chat about the under-14s. So Leo himself is an under-14, he's a D, um, but the under-14As have their own team uh, and they've also got off to um, a successful start uh, to the season. I'm a little bit nervous about this because I'm about to try again uh, to play a soundbite um, and this is uh, from the two uh, under-14 coaches, uh, Mr Carter and Mr Calver. Let's hear what they have to say. So I'm joined by Bryanston's uh, self-proclaimed most successful coaching partnership, uh, Mr. Sam Carter and Mr. Richard Calver, who, um, as listeners will know, uh, last year had a very successful under-14A cricket season. In Over the winter, have also coached the third eleven football uh, innovatively and successfully and are now back... Um, with their, their regular squad, uh, the Geddes Brigade, the under-14As. Um, right, so chaps, uh, first of all, tell me, um, how's the season gone so far? Uh, well, Mr Pullen, th- thanks again for having us. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back back on here with you. Season started off really well. Played 1-1-1. One, one, one. Um, I've not really got much more to say beyond that. Um, we've got a really, really good group of boys 
and they delivered. And they de they delivered on Saturday. They did all with all their all they did all we asked of them. Yeah, and I'm happy with that. Fantastic, Mr. Calvo. Anything to add to that? Uh, no, it was a good display. I think we were on an astro turf that seemed to have layers of concrete underneath it. <laughs> Uh, and some of the bowlers were getting a bit excited when they'd pitch it on their toes and it fly past the, the uh, ears of the batsman. They were less excited when they themselves were batting, uh, but we learned that we had to pitch the ball up and actually a, a few good proper wickets caught behind um, from, our, from our standout keeper. Oh, fantastic. And, and who is that standout keeper? Uh, it, Will, Willoughby A <laughs> kept in the first game and he, he did a, a, really, a really stellar job on a tricky pitch to keep on. Never easy. Wicket keeper myself, never easy to keep on an AstroTurf, but he's very tidy behind the stumps. That being said, he's no longer the wicket keeper. We now have a new wicket keeper because he also is a handy spin bowler. So we're going to make use of him on oh, well, some turning wickets. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> um, so who are the other players to watch out for? So you've got a couple of wicket keepers so far. Yeah, Alfie, our, our team captain, is is a very solid cricketer. Um, he bowled a little bit for us in the first game, erratic at times, but when he got it right, it was dangerous. But we're going to give him a go behind the stumps tomorrow, see how he goes. Um, but with the bat in hand as well, um, he's a good player. He gives really good energy in the field. Beyond that, I, I'm, I've been really impressed thus far with, uh, with George B. Really just textbook bowler, knows what he's doing. It puts it in the right areas. Just a sensible cricketer. And that's, that's my brand of, uh, of cricket. And so the game, your first game against Warminster, it was a, it was a low scoring affair, am I right? Yeah, it was attritional. Yeah. Um, but it's the same last year when we coached cricket and it was the same when we coached football. We, we, we win dirty. Um, and the boys bought into that and they got the job done. Fantastic. I mean, that's what it's all about, ultimately. And where can you see this group of boys going this season, chaps? Uh, to be honest, Dr Pullen, um, I, I was a little worried. Um, I, I thought it was April, sort of early season cricket. You'd been mistaken for thinking it was Guy Fawkes Day for some of the rockets that these kids were throwing around. Uh, left, right and centre looked pretty, but there was little organisation. Um, it, it's an uncut gem. It, it's sparkling at the moment, but it could do with uh, just a little chipping away. Yep. Um, Mr Carter and I have been getting in there with some coaching. We're trying to build a spinner. I'm trying to work on that high arm, that core strength. Mr Carter and the bowling machine working on there. They're off, off drives. Um, trying to stop them just hanging the bat outside the off stump but there's certainly some players in there and some hope for the future well fantastic chaps i'm sure you'll you'll turn these uh, rough diamonds into the jewels of helen or something <laughs> uh, but uh yeah so we look forward to, to hearing what the um what the under 14s have going forward uh, for the rest of the season thank you very much chaps for joining uh, absolutely thank, thanks, thanks for having us so those were the uh, words of the self-proclaimed most successful coaching partnership in Bryson Sporting's history, uh, uh, Mr. Carter and Mr. Calver. Uh, yeah, interesting stuff there. I mean, you know, it sounds like they've got a lot of wicket keepers. Uh, it sounds like a good, fun team. Lots of people bowling rockets left, right and centre. Um, so chaps, big block fixture uh, uh, against Claysmore tomorrow. Are we predicting wins across the board? You? I think so. Based on last year's performance, if memory serves correctly, I think we beat them quite um, well, uh, the under-14s last year, who are now moving into under-15s. And having just heard from Mr Carter and Mr Calver the strengths of the under-14s, I imagine they'll be able to pull off a similar feat. Fantastic. And uh, um, uh, Mr Morris, am I right in saying a couple of games are cup fixtures tomorrow? I believe so. I think it's the second level maybe playing a cup fixture, maybe the first level to it as well tomorrow. 
Uh, fantastic. Okay, so big cup games for Bryanston Cricket Club tomorrow. We're going to play a quick song, or hopefully we're going to play a quick song, if I can get my tech sorted, before talking some rowing with uh, women's rowing captain uh, Natalia J. <laughs>
so I'm just going to slide away that one on the control panel here. Um, so uh, what's the time? It's ten to, coming up to 10 to 9. Uh, this is Bry Radio. It's Dr. Pullen on air talking sport uh, with some great pundits. You can get in contact with us. In fact, we'd love to hear from you if I can get my text sorted. Just text us on double six uh, triple seven. starting your message with Bry. Please don't call me because I won't have a clue what to do, but... Um, maybe Natalia might be able to help me out and we've just been joined by Natalia um, who is uh, captain of women's rowing, rowing and we're going to talk um, you know what goes on down at the river basically so we took, we've spoken cricket we're going to be talking some tennis and we're now going to talk some rowing so uh, Natalia uh, welcome to the Bry Radio studio you're uh, a, a well-practiced DJ yourself I know yeah. Wednesday morning shows. I actually was on this morning on air. Nice little plug. There, there's someone. <laughs> there's someone who knows what they're doing. Um, right. So, um, talk me through what's happened so far. Uh, well, I say this rowing season, but you know the main time of year for rowing. What was your pre-season like? Um, it was really nice. I didn't know what to expect because I hadn't really been on any rowing pre-season before. Normally, we go to um, Spain, Seville, to do a rowing season where it's quite hot. But yeah, this year we were in Gloucester, which was quite nice because it's where Miss Rodford kind of spent the majority of her learning years as a rower. Um, and I mean, it's closest to Wales I've ever been. Um, and we're all in a Premier Inn for the week. So it was just all the seniors went, uh, a handful of the sea boys went enough for a quad. And we had a b-boy and we had a girls quad as well, which was really nice to see. And it, Gloucester's really nice because our river at school is quite small and narrow like you can only use about two and a half kilometers of it and it's you have to do loads of steering so it was really nice just having a canal to use so we were doing you know three sessions a day and you could just do all the way up 7k all the way back 7k so you got 14k done without having to steer turning around you know it was really lovely and we know the area a bit because we've done a few regattas up there as well so we were doing yeah three days of tra- three training sessions a day we did morning, two in the morning, then had lunch, and then we revised or worked or had time off, and then we did an evening session. So we got the mileage in. We shredded our hands, but um, I, it was really fun. We learned a lot. We learned so much technique, and uh, I know the boys really perfected their eight is what they're really focusing on for Henley and stuff like that. Fantastic. So when you talk about this canal, was there actually room for more than one boat in at a time so you could yeah. race parallel? Okay, so that must be quite nice because I imagine down at the river there probably isn't it's room It's quite for narrow. That. It's really hard to do. I mean, we do it maybe on the straight part, but not on the narrow part. If anything, there are just arguments about people trying to cut each other off. Right, crashing. okay. But uh, yeah, there were loads. I mean, it was a really busy place. I mean, there were canal boats, there were like, mini yachts, um, people walking it was weird having the general public just there and like we you know you're rowing past houses and people are sat on their balconies just watching you it's like oh and then they interact with you as well like there's this killer swan not killer swan sorry evil swan called kyle um who hated us because they were nesting and he literally for five minutes would just run after you like pecking your boat it was actually really terrifying and there's one guy found loads of entertainment just sitting sitting on a bench just laughing at us there's this swan that's just like chasing after us um so i think they got quite a lot of entertainment no one really knew why we were there either the public were like are you a boat club like what school dorset they were like why are you near us but it was really cool and yeah. so 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 on this camp what sort of year groups were involved was it just seniors or no no so i mean there were all the a3s and all the a2 rowers um there were so, some sea boys um 
three. There were Alex B, Angus, I don't know his surname, Johnny, um, and then there was a B, Finn, um, C. And then girls-wise, they came slightly later on in the camp. So there was Lizzie, um, Lottie, Lucy. Yeah. Yeah, there, there, it was a nice range of people. I mean, I was surprised how many juniors went, maybe because I necessarily didn't go when I was a junior. But it was nice, the participation with the seniors. And we know each other really well already. So it kind of just consolidated our knowledge. Yeah, and I and I imagine as a squad, it's like a good time to bond, right, before the term starts? Or? Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially in the boat for the boys, because I just row with the same partner, Ella. So I know we know each other very well. We know all our little quacks and we're sharing a room. But all the boys um, were just kind of... Uh, trying different positions in the boats to see what worked and what didn't you know who's going to be in the boat this year and yeah I, th- I mean I think we got to know each other well by the end of it I think I'd found way too much about boys in general because you're eating meals with them and they were, we went to Pizza Express and I ordered a pizza and dobles and they all did two large pizzas and the double doble servings and I was like oh my goodness I cannot imagine eating all of that but it was really really enjoyable yeah great great uh yeah so lovely to hear that the 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 rowing club all, all having a great time uh in pre-season so um what are the sort of crews that we ought to be watching out for uh uh this season like who are the who are the sort of headline acts who are going to be tearing up various regattas this summer um i think well i can speak more on the senior side of it because that's what I'm more exposed to but I know we've got a really strong um, sea boys quad girl, girls boat, uh, boat I'm not so much sure about the D's just because I haven't really gotten to know them um, I th- for the seniors we've got really big races coming up so we've got nationals at the end of this term on the 25th of May I think and I think that's for the C's um, A3's and A2's and then after half term we have women's Henley which is really exciting, um, that Ella and I are hoping to go to to get our training in. And then that is June 20th, that weekend, and the boys' Henley is the following week. So that's for the seniors. I th- I mean, I, I'm hoping we do well. Um, I've never been to Henley. I'm really excited for the experience and, you know, having the younger years look up to us and kind of see that we're achieving these big things. And then I think we've got a race up in Reading as well for the boys and their quads, which is very competitive. So, yeah. That sounds really exciting, and, and I'm, I'm really unsure of how it actually works. In rowing, do you have sort of weekly fixtures, or is it do you build up on a longer scale for bigger events? Um, in summertime, it kind of picks up. I remember when I was in CMB. I mean, my summer season was cut short in B because of lockdown, obviously. But in summer, that's when the majority of the regattas are. There are so many. I mean, there'll be one every three weeks or something like that. In winter seasons, there aren't as many just because conditions aren't as good, there's flooding, there's wind, um, no one really wants to sit in the cold. And I, th- I think we tried to cram a lot in because of the lockdowns and we kind of missed out on a lot. So the organisation of some regattas wasn't very good either because we'd be up you know, for two hours sat on a boat, minus five degrees, and you're just in a uni suit. Yeah. So then when you go back up, yeah. you're wearing like thermals yeah. and everything and then stuffing it in the boat just before you race but um yeah summer season is where it's really picking up and we've got lots of d-rows coming in yeah um kind of there's tends to be more of an influx in summer because ever you know the river's a nice place to be when it's warm absolutely and how do you balance manage um how do you are you hoping to balance sort of exams with sport this <laughs> summer not entirely a, a big question that i'm sure many yeah. of our our listeners are wondering in their mind 
Yeah, so my exams start um, next week. So I've got them for the next three weeks after that. So I've, I mean, I did pre-season and then I'm rowing Wednesdays and Fridays. And then in the mornings, I'm going to the gym in my own free time, um, swimming after prep. Um, I did that on Monday because my friend's training for a triathlon kind of thing um, up in Sweden, which yeah. is really cool for yeah. summer. Um, so I'm, I'm doing it that way. I've, I've taken a step back. I don't do Tuesday sessions, Thursday sessions and Saturdays just because they take so much of my time. But, I mean, I don't think I'll be peak level fitness for nationals, personally, because of the IB. Um, but I've got three weeks of, or four weeks after I finish my exams until Women's Henley. So I'm hoping to kind of do the camp structure that we were doing and just get the mileage in. Fantastic. So I, I've got high hopes, but yeah, it is definitely, pri- priorities are really difficult. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's great to hear a sports person like you actually say that, you know, you can balance sport and exams because... You know, it's one of the biggest challenges, I guess, yeah. for all students here. And, you know, it's a real shame when you lose really good players because they're just like, well, I can't do both of them. But mm-hmm. the, rea- the reality is, you know, I mean, yes, as you're doing, you have to be a little bit selective, but there should be a way to get some sort of balance between both. Um, and, and one final question. Are you, are you hoping to carry on rowing after your Bryanston career comes to an end? Yeah, definitely. I've kind of, I was uh, selecting which universities I go to based on which uh, they're boat clubs so hopefully I'm going to go to UCL or King's College um, I've just firm choice them today so and they've both got very good boat clubs um, and I, I think what I'm most excited about university rowing is just having more girls yeah. because in the senior categories it's just Ella and I so I mean we're competitive to each other in a, in a positive way but it's hard to kind of compare yourself to maybe faster people who when you're just looking at statistics on your phone of like, oh, this was a woman's time at this thing, which isn't always very realistic in the under 21, which is very different stages in your life. So yeah, definitely continue. I think a few of the boys will. Um, So it's really exciting, yeah. Well, thank you very much for that lovely interview, Uh, Natalia. We wish that you all the best with uh, your exams and uh, with your rowing this summer. We're now going to be talking um, some tennis uh, and I am joined uh, by the by the head of boys tennis, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Matt Boo. Are you, are you ready to join me, Mr. Boo? Yeah, indeed. Thanks for having me. Uh, let me just put your mic up first of all. Uh, so, is this your first time on air, or this is my first time? You're probably going to have to speak a little bit more into the mic. But this yeah. is my first time in the Brian Radio Studio. Very exciting. Fantastic. But you're you're a big sports fan yourself, aren't you? So you can... It's not only tennis with you, is it? It's uh, also you've been one of... Well, your name's been mentioned many a time on here in the context of football, uh, but you love many other sports as well, don't you? Oh, yeah. Sport fan just in general, really. Um, I would say, obviously, I'm yeah head of football here, but a uh, big hockey player, big hockey fan. Um, love my tennis. Do a bit of squash as well. You name it. Oh, fantastic. And we're also, when he's, he'll, he'll get himself sorted out, Mr. Morris might be able to help him. We've also just been joined by the captain of men's tennis, uh, Tom uh, P, so we can get him talking um, as well. Um, so, uh, Mr. Boot, uh, talk me through what, what's happened so far this tennis season. Did you have much of a pre-season or was it pretty much straight in? So, what we've done is we've decided to use this first week and a half as our pre-season. So, we haven't had a fixture yet. Uh, we're using games time to dust the cobwebs off. Absolutely. And then our first fixture is next week. Okay, awesome. And who's that against? 
Uh, the seniors are playing Kings Bruton and the juniors are playing Canford. So two Fantastic. exciting Yeah, well, so the, the big, big, two big local uh, sort of Dorset derbies, uh, really. So do I, um, am I to believe that in tennis, really, you have more of a sort of trial system at the start of the season? Well, since, since I joined the school in 2016, the popularity, especially amongst boys for tennis, has just increased massively. Um, and with girls tennis already being huge in the summer, uh, it means that, you know, if we want training sessions to go smoothly and work well, and ideally you want no more than four in a court, it means that, you know, boys have to trial out for a spot on the team. So we have three um, very competitive senior teams uh, in the boys tennis, and then um, two teams each for under-15s and under-14s. Um, so it's very competitive. Um, we're, we're, well, we're just jo- we've just been joined by Tom, so I just want to ask him a question. Are you ready to go, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. Is, have, you, have you ever been on Bry Radio before? Uh, I have not. As a, okay, uh, so this this is a, de- a debut for you as well. Welcome welcome to Bry Radio, welcome to Sports Talk. So um, have you have you played tennis as your summer sport throughout your time at Bryanston? Uh, yeah, all the way since D. Absolutely, and, what, and what's your, what, what do you like so much about the sport? What, where, where does your passion lie in regard to it? I mean, I've played it ever since I was about five. Yeah. Uh, just doing lessons at prep school and then just carried on here um, and when I was in D there wasn't actually it, you weren't meant to play tennis if you were a D boy but if you were able to get into the C uh, year group team then you could so uh, there were quite a few of us in our year and actually I think our year has been really good for tennis throughout Bryanston uh, we've got a good group of boys so it's been nice to be able to have a competitive game um, with a lot of different people. Fantastic. And and w- one thing, I guess, for someone like me who does, who's never really played sort of team tennis, i.e. Com- competitive tennis, do, are you able to get a sort of team, uh, like a team feel about it, even though you're competing individually or as a doubles? Uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely. When we play other schools, it's you've obviously got to try and win your own matches, but you only win the fixture if your whole team wins yeah. more matches than yeah. the other yeah. team. And you each play three sets against three different pairings. And when you take three pairs to the match, that means it's basically a best of nine fixture. Yeah. So you can't just win it on your own. Yeah, so I imagine you'll be sort of you sort of sit by the courts of those who haven't finished yet and sort of cheer them on a little bit. Uh, yeah, we try to do that as much as possible. Fan- fantastic. Yeah, so there you go. That that's how that's how team tennis works. And is, is it all doubles, Mister Boot? At it this is, level, yeah, it is all doubles. And you know, as Tom's alluded to, it's 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 quite nice because it means obviously more more boys and girls can can play yeah. and represent the school. Um, but you do have that that team feel uh, to it. And you know, when when a when a game finishes maybe slightly earlier than the other, you know, you do. Um, watch and support, maybe not cheer, yeah. you know, good etiquette yeah. and all that. But, sorry, sorry, that's, um, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's great It's great to watch as a coach, just, you know, because come match day, I don't really do much. Yeah. <laughs> just leave the boys to it. Leave the boys to it, yeah, absolutely. And and it should be said, um, for those who don't know, Bryanston have some superb tennis facilities, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, the grass courts, obviously, um, one of the most iconic features of the school. Um, and the groundsmen do a fantastic job in keeping them in uh, tip-top condition for the whole summer term. Um, but yeah, we're lucky to have. I mean, the CJ courts. I mean, 
you know, they're overshadowed slightly by the grass, but they are also fantastic hard courts to play on. Yeah, I think Mr. Froud will be getting quite a lot of shout-outs from various uh, pundits this season for his fantastic work on, well, all the grounds at Bryanston, but, you know, in particular at the moment, the cricket uh, pitches and, and, uh, and tennis courts. So who are the sort of big, who are your big fixtures against? Obviously, Camford. Are there any other schools around here that are, you know, particularly big names on the tennis, the local tennis circuit? I mean, I'll, I'll let um, Tom jump in on this one in a second because he's obviously being a pupil at school. He probably has he picks out the ones he wants to really win. Um, but yeah, you know, you know, the usual Camford. But I know Sherburn are, are fairly strong in their tennis, and we normally um, have a good game against them. It's normally quite close and competitive. I don't know, but what do you think? Yeah, Tom? I mean, Sherburn, as you said, are always a good team in whatever sport, but. Yeah, their tennis is good. Uh, Winchester's another good one. We had a really close fixture against them last year, um, which I think we lost narrowly, so we'll be hoping to turn it around this year. And then obviously the easy ones like Claysmore. Uh, nothing to worry about there. <laughs> Sorry of any Claysmore. Claysmore have had a bit of it because there's a big cricket block fixture against them tomorrow and we had... We had an earlier pundit say how we were going to hammer them across the board. But sorry, Claysmore. Claysmore is a, a big local rival who, who will often win against Bryanston. So, so they're not to be underestimated. Well, thank you very much for that, chaps. Great to get a little insight into how Bryanston tennis uh, works. And I'm sure we'll be talking a lot uh, about it. Um, over the course of uh, this summer series of TalkSport. I'm going to play a quick song, and when we get back, we're going to move a little bit belatedly into our world sports section. We might be only talking one sport, and that is football. There's been some big headlines recently, some big games in both the Premier League and the Champions League. So quick song, and we'll be back talking um, some football. to you by now you should have somehow realized what you gotta do i don't believe that anybody feels the way i do about you now backbeat the word is on the street that the fire in your heart is out i'm sure you've heard it all before but you never really had it down now and all the roads we have to walk are winding and all the lights that lead us there are blinding there are many things that I would like to say to you but I don't know how 
So that was Wonderwall by Oasis. It's currently ten past nine uh, in the Bry Radio studio, uh, and I am currently joined by uh, Tom, Ethan, and Mr. Boot. And we're now going to be talking a little bit of football, uh, uh, a sport that's often uh, covered on this show. Um, not Bry football anymore. That season's over. Um, but there's a lot still to talk about uh, from the Champions League uh, and the Premier League. Starting with uh, a t- simply amazing game, really, uh, in the Champions League yesterday. A semi-final uh, between uh, Manchester City and uh, Real Madrid. So, chaps, if we're okay to, let's start with that. Uh, who watched this game? Who wants to provide some thoughts on this? Tom, do you want to kick us off? Uh, yeah, so I did watch most of it. And uh, it's possibly one of the greatest Champions League knockout matches there has ever been. Because, well, first of all, the goal scoring was just crazy two giants of European football in Manchester City who are one of the top two teams in the world in my opinion and Real Madrid who have 13 Champions Leagues to their name Um, and while the defending wasn't all together there it made for an even better match as we saw just relentless attacking from both sides and some brilliant goals as well Nice, Ethan am I right that you're a United fan or? Yes yes, So what did you make of uh uh, what did you make of, uh, well, what are you making, I guess, of City's uh, seeming all-dominance once again? Well, City are currently the team I think is best in the world, or certainly competing with Liverpool for that. Yeah. Real Madrid are probably third, in my opinion, at yeah. the moment. And that was shown in the last game, how they 
weren't quite able to get back level with City but were constantly fighting. And having City as one of the best teams in the world is not exactly the best feeling <laughs> as a United fan. Yeah, the, no- the noisy neighbours are currently uh, are very noisy, it's fair to say. Um, so, uh, looking at the game, I-, I imagine it was fairly end-to-end. We had goals from De Bruyne, Gabriel Jesus, uh, Foden, Bernardo Silva for City, uh, two for the inform, well, incredibly informed Benzema, uh, and one for uh, Junio, I won't be able to pronounce his first name properly. Mr. Boot, what did you make of the game? Uh, fantastic game for the neutral. Obviously, being a Chelsea fan, I didn't really care too much yeah. who, who won. Um, but... Yeah, it was basically just both teams going, right, you attack, then we attack, and let's see who scores the most goals. So, fantastic game to watch. Um, I think Man City will be a little bit disappointed because they probably should have scored about seven. Uh, They missed some big chances, which could potentially haunt them in the second leg. You know, um, the Bernabeu is a hard place to go, even though I just want to say Chelsea won there uh, the other week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, fantastic game and it's it's evenly balanced. Yeah, well, of course, I mean, those of you who are, who've been following the Champions League, Chelsea had a very interesting run themselves, uh, which came to a dramatic end, am I right? It did, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, Champions League knockouts obviously over two legs, so you really have to be consistently good over both legs and we weren't. We were pretty poor in the first leg. Um, and very good in the second, but narrowly lost out on the extra time. So stop press, people. Liverpool have just gone 1-0 up against Villarreal um, at Anfield. Uh, uh, Estupinian, am I pronouncing that right, has uh, netted an own goal, basically. Uh, so there you they go. Count. They all count. Yeah, exactly. They all count. We've, I'm sure some of us in this room, I certainly have, have, have scored a few of them uh, uh, in, their, in, in our time. Um, so, yeah, uh, well... I was about to say that Villarreal presumably doing a very good job of holding uh, Liverpool, but there we go. They've got that all-important uh, home goal um, uh, uh, um, at, uh, at Anfield. So, boys, who would we say are our most likely contenders at this stage to win the Champions League? Who are we backing? Let's go around the room. I'm starting with Tom. Obviously, we're down to four teams left, and we're already one leg into the semi-finals, so there's not a huge amount of choice. Um, as a Liverpool fan, I'm obviously hoping that we can secure the Champions League and possibly even the quadruple, much to our rivals annoyance. And I just need to interrupt you there. It is now 2-0 Liverpool. Mane getting one in there. So uh, 2-0 Liverpool, a good, good result if they can hold that um, at home. So Uh, keep going, Tom. Yeah, uh, so as a Liverpool fan, I'd love to win. Um, And given history in the Champions League, I think I'd actually rather face Manchester City in the final. Uh, obviously, we lost to Real Madrid three years ago, um, 3 1, uh, thanks to some pretty impressive shooting by Gareth Bale. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've just knocked out uh, Manchester City from the semi final of the FA Cup. So I think we're looking pretty strong against Manchester City and Real Madrid with 13 Champions Leagues. They're always quite unpredictable. You never know if you're going to be able to beat them in, when it matters. Um, so, yeah, if we play what we know, we'll be in for a good chance, but it's anyone's. Ethan, your thoughts? Who, 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 who's going to win this champ, this year's Champions League? Well, quite, quite to my dismay, it would be Liverpool, in my opinion. Um, when it comes to one-off games, they seem to be the best team in the world. Um, Man, City, Man City have come up against them and been better throughout the season, but 
in the individual games, it seems that Liverpool have been coming out on top. Um, I think Real Madrid will edge City to the final purely because of how good they are on the European stage. But I think when it comes to that final game between Liverpool and Real Madrid, Liverpool will come out on top. They seem to have that quality this moment. Okay, so 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 far, did you, I can't remember who did you predict as the other finalist? Did you predict predict Real Madrid? Uh, yeah, I think Real Madrid are more likely to just because with one goal in it at yeah. the Bernabeu yeah. and with Benzema, I mean, he's got two hat-tricks in and a race in his last three Champions League matches, including a brilliant penalty which mirrored Zidane's for France. Mm. Um, so, yeah, they're definitely a threat for Man City will struggle to deal with. Mr. Boot, anything to challenge that? Well, I mean, I'm hoping that all the Cups English teams can win from now on are, are spread around so I'm yeah. hoping Chelsea overcome Liverpool in the FA Cup yeah no we, we don't want to underestimate our own FA Cup at uh, all. exactly um, I think I think Man City and Liverpool won't drop another point in the Premier League that means Man City will win by one point there and then I do believe Liverpool will win the Champions League I think it will be a Liverpool Man City final um, and I just think the Liverpool players have uh, are more used to being in a final in the last um, you know I mean they're in the Carabao they won that they're in the FA Cup again um, they'll most likely be in the Champions League and I just think that experience will get them over the line against City and obviously City last year um, lost the Champions League final I think that could that could haunt them Tom as a Liverpool fan would you take Champions League and leave Premier League this year? Uh, I mean, I'll tell you what we can get. The quadruple is a long shot. It's never been done by an English team in history, so yeah. it's impossible to expect that. And as Mr. Boot said... Sorry, I forgot the League Cup as well, yeah. Yeah, as Mr. Boot said, um, for City to drop a point now, I mean, they've only got five five games left, and although Liverpool have uh, won 10 of their last 11 matches, or 11 of their last 12 now, I believe, um, it's going to be tough to bridge that gap. Obviously, we've got the FA Cup final against Chelsea, which ought to be a good game. Um, same fixture as the Carabao Cup final, mm, yeah. which, uh, well, didn't go so well for Chelsea. No, I mean, it, I mean, it, you know, for those who don't know, Chelsea lost on penalties. Um, so it kind of, you know, when it gets to penalties, it's 50-50. But both teams could have won it in the 90. They just didn't have their shooting boots on. So the FA Cup final will be an interesting one to watch. So in the weird world of sport, it came down to a goalkeeper having to take a penalty, right? Yes, it did. Yeah, that, <laughs> these things happen. Um, so, well, let, let's let's move on to the Premier League then. Ethan, so we've talked about the top a bit. So we, I think we all agree it's between Manchester... Well, it's obviously between Manchester City or Liverpool... Uh, we've had we've had uh, Mr. Boot say that uh, uh, City are not going to drop a point from here, which will give them a one-point win. What about the teams below there? I mean, one team that does stick out, unfortunately, for the wrong reasons at the moment, is Manchester United. Uh, Ethan, what do they need to do to sort themselves out? What, what's going wrong, or what has gone wrong over a long period of time? Really, I think over the past was it eight years now, maybe more. Um, we haven't been able to get clear philosophy in the squad. Um, no manager has really had the time to come in and um, set a style of play. I think over time, Mourinho has probably been the best to sort of come in and get results. But 
in terms of man management and getting the specific results and over a long period of time I think Oli was probably the best at that um this season has been a disappointment to say the least and Ten Hag coming in should sort of fix that up next year but once again I don't think it's a season we should be expecting trophies unless we're in the conference league possibly yeah yeah yeah, and I mean, you, you, there just isn't the time now. Also, the very you know unfortunate news about Ronaldo—that's not ideal. Yeah. I mean, obviously there are some things which are much bigger football than football, of which that is one. But you know, probably not going to help his form. Although he did score on the weekend, am I right? Did he, or maybe not? Am he, I right? he bagged one against bagged Arsenal, one. but so, they still lost. So, so you <laughs> know, impressive return, but they still lost. Absolutely. Um, Mr. Boo, are you happy with Chelsea's season in the league? Bit up and down. Um, it, it has been up and down. Um, I am, uh, yeah, I am happy with it simply because we have been once again playing without a number nine. Yeah. Uh, Romelu Lukaku hasn't turned up. No. Um, so we've been relying on our midfielders and wingers to get us our goals, which they've done a decent job at, and you know. Third place is respectable. You know, we're, we're still a decent way off Liverpool Man City, but they are arguably the two best teams in the world right now. So third place is fine. It guarantees that Champions League football for another season. You know, we've been in two finals this season. Hopefully we're going to win one. Um, and Thomas Tuchel is a fantastic coach. So, you know, I think the majority of Chelsea fans trust him to take us beyond and hopefully with new owners um, which is uh, in the imminent future I think um, it can, that can kind of start settling down and we can look to the future yeah I mean all the stuff that's gone on this season it's almost it's it, you, you almost forget about the sort of uh, political turbulence and the Abramovich situation but there you go Chelsea currently sitting fairly comfortable in third place I'd agree with you on that assessment of Thomas Tuchel talking of coaches uh Let's go to a club that have had um, uh, people who have struggled a little bit more. Everton, uh, you know, a Merseyside sleeping giant at the moment, stuck in the relegation zone. Uh, they didn't do very well with Rafa Benitez. They're not doing much better with uh, Frank Lampard. Am I right, boys? What do we think about their season? Um, yeah, I mean, I think the relegation battle at the moment is even more interesting than the top four race because you've got... Burnley have been up for the last eight years and made the bold decision of sacking Sean Dyche just with a few games to go. And then you've got Everton, who I think have been in the Premier League for 60 years. It's since it started, I uh, believe. Yeah, started, I think they're they're one of the few clubs who haven't played outside of the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. and even two years ago, they were not, not quite top four, but easily top half of the table, kind of getting a sixth, seventh place consistently. And they've hit a real crisis this season um, with managers not being able to come get a solid base. A um, couple of issues with some players as well. Uh, did you see the um, image when they compared? Because obviously it was the Merseyside derby at the weekend. Did you see the um, comparison between Liverpool and Everton? And Everton have actually spent more money than Liverpool over the last few seasons. Yet Liverpool are fighting for trophies and Everton are yeah. fighting relegation. Everton have got a high gross spend and a high net spend. And yet the players just haven't seemed to work out for them. And I don't know if that's uh, just poor, uh, making poor transfers or if that's just managing their transfers badly. 
by not encouraging the players enough at the club. But, um, I mean, if you look at their recent outgoing and ingoing, you, they, you don't have any world-class players signing for them. Not well, not well class, but you know, you look at the talent they do have in their squad, and they should be absolutely nowhere near that bottom three. I mean, coming from a Brighton fan uh, myself, there's a, there should be enough, as Mr. Boot says, in there, there to get to get by. And you know, they've got such a rich history. Yeah, as we said, they 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 were one of the original clubs in the Premier League. I think, as you said, uh, Tom, it's sort of sixty years or something since they were even out of the top flight of English football. Um, so yeah, they've had. A very, um, cons- a very consistent run. Could it be coming to an end? I mean, a club who, as we mentioned, did sack their manager, Sean Dyche, who you know was a bit of a fan favourite in the Premier League um, uh, and was long-serving. I think he'd done eight years there or something. Um, but that has uh, been the catalyst for, for seemingly a bit of a turnaround from Burnley. Uh, they beat Southampton uh, and then Wolverhampton Wanderers to get out of the the bottom three. Are they going to pull off a bit of what looked like at one point a bit of a miracle mistake, uh, miracle miracle escape, boys? What do we reckon? Um, well, at the moment you've got Norwich and Watford planted quite far right down in the, the relegation bottom. zone. Yeah. Then you've got Everton with six games left yeah. in uh, eighteen. And then Burnley with five games left in 17. And if Everton win that game in hand, and they do go above to safety, but Burnley have been stronger recently, I think. I mean, they beat Everton three-two uh, uh, just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and the only problem I can see for Burnley is they don't have a manager who's been there for time. So he, uh, whoever's managing them at the moment, I don't know if it's a caretaker or not. Um, but he probably won't know the squad as well and he won't have the Premier League experience to kind of yeah. carry them the same way that Deitch would. I think they've got a bit of a weird weird system going on. They've got their club captain, Ben Mee, yeah. I think is also one of the assists. I think they've got a team of three. I think the, under 20, the previous under-23s manager yeah. under-21s and Ben Mee. Yeah, but you, you, compare, you compare Everton and Burnley and, and the major difference is that Burnley are playing with a lot of confidence. They're not a fantastic football team, but they have a lot of confidence within the squad, and they're they're you know they come across as fighters. Whereas you look at the Everton team, and it all looks a bit. Yeah, know. it's it's a bit of a cliche, but you always know you always know you're in for sort of a tough battle uh, when you're playing Burnley, and they're the sort of team that's almost perfectly set up to survive a, a sort of relegation uh, battle. It's that sort of cliche yeah. that Sean Dyche should. So prepared them from day one for that. Um, Leeds also have been on a reasonable run. At one stage, it looked like they were going, where they were in a lot of trouble. Um, am I right that they've also sacked their manager? Has he also gone? I'm yeah, not sure. Let's say he's gone. I think he's gone. Uh, sorry. I think it's just Justin Martin. Yeah, okay, so yeah, 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 yeah. And so that's also uh, initiated a slight upturn in form. So what do we reckon, boys? Who who are going to be our bottom three? We I reckon we've got. Uh, Norwich and Watford fairly certain in there. Who's going to be the third team? Are Everton going to just about pull it off, Tom? Um, I haven't actually looked at the remaining fixtures yeah. for the two teams who I think are in contention. Um, I do think Leeds are probably slightly safe now. Um, but if I had to put my money somewhere, it would actually be on Everton to be relegated. Everton to be relegated. Let's just have a quick look because that is a good point. What have they got left? So uh, 
Burnley have uh, this weekend a trip to Watford, um, which you'd say, I mean, is a chance, certainly a chance of three points. Uh, they then play Aston Villa at home, which you'd say again is is a is a winnable game. They're then away at Spurs, which you know I'm is a winnable sure. game. Is a winnable <laughs> game. Yeah, you know, not many of us have much affiliation with Spurs, but it um, and then, and then they're back um, at Villa before finally hosting Newcastle on the final day. So actually, relatively, there's quite a few points to be had, I'd say, in that uh, in that in that. Whereas. Everton are uh, hosting Chelsea this weekend and as much as I'm sure we'd like to see them annoy Mr Boot and, and hold Chelsea at home, I think that's unlikely. They then go to the King Power Stadium to play Leicester before they've got their away at Whipping Boys Watford. They then host mid-table teams Brentford and Palace before uh, going uh, to uh, Arsenal on the final day of the season. So you'd say quite a tough run in. Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean... You would think that they would manage to beat Watford away. Yeah. But um, being away from home is never easy. Yeah. And Watford do have a tendency to form in some games. They did just draw to Leicester at home. Yeah. Can I see them getting another point there? I'm not sure. And Brentford and Crystal Palace have performed well recently. Crystal Palace under uh, Patrick Vieira as a manager. And Brentford have really picked up their form since the start of the season when they were not winning a lot. And then Arsenal on the last day uh, is not an easy one at all, as they will be fighting for their top four place. Thank you very much for that, Tom. We might actually leave it there, chaps, because I can see the clock ticking by. But thank you very much for joining me uh, 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 today. This has been... This has been uh, Dr. Pullen uh, hosting uh, talk hosting uh, TalkSport, um, uh, the first episode of the summer term. We're going to be na- na- back uh, next, folks, on uh, Wednesday the 11th of May, I believe, uh, by which time the Bryanston cricket, uh, tennis and rowing seasons will be well underway. We might get some athletics on. Uh, we might have some cricket to talk about. We'll also have a lot more football by then. I'm sure we'll fairly well know uh, who is going to win the Premier League. We might not ne- yet know by then who's going to be uh, relegated, uh, but uh, we'll sure talk about it. Uh, that's all for now, folks. I'll see you uh, in a couple of weeks' time. Thank you very much and enjoy the rest of your Wednesday evening. Goodbye. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio, proudly sponsored by the BPA.